This week on Dig Me Out, Tim and Jay review Crank by the Hoodoo Gurus. Sounds like you're having a conversation over there with your cat or something. When they do those two-part harmonies, they sound great. Uh, this band never made me want to yank it. I think this would be a good road record. It's got that tempo to it. I guess I don't know what to make of this band. Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Me Out. I'm your host, Tim Minichi, and joining me as always, my co-host, Mr. Jason Ziak. Jay, we are uh, we are knee deep, halfway through the third season. We're on episode one twenty nine, and we have another requested review. Requested, requested review. review. Very popular this year. Lots of requested reviews, and uh, this is the third one, tying with. Uh, Previous request review, David Dirty, Dirty Gogars. Uh, Gavin Reed from Australia. He throws out his third request review, which means he will be getting the bonus extra free review coming up. It's going to be a good one. I don't know if you've read the emails, Jay, but it's going to be pretty awesome. He's going to join us actually for that episode too. Oh, good. He's going to be on the show for the first time. Yeah. He actually sent me a, an email that shows where he lives in Australia. It's amazing. It's a, it's yeah. like a resort town. <laughs> it's sick. Uh, trying it's to plan a vacation. Ohio. It's not Columbus, Ohio. It's uh, whatever you imagine Australia fun, to be. It's, trip, but... Yeah. It's not in the middle of the outback. It's like on the beaches with like awesome hotels and just, it looks like a, um, Looks like uh, something that you'd see where celebrities are going to for their cool vacation that you can't go to, except right. you can, and that's where Gavin lives. So anyway, it wasn't so damn far. It is a bit of a plane trip for us, and I don't really it's like, like planes. Six hundred hour of plane. I think you're flight. about right. I think you're about right. So. I think you you actually have to go around the globe two or three times before you get there. Yeah, you have to like catapult yourself around the globe like into Superman. <laughs> yeah. So, one of the bands that uh, Gavin had suggested to us a while ago, we never got to, but we're getting to it now. It's the Hoodoo Gurus. Jay, were you familiar with the Hoodoo Gurus? Again, this is one of those bands where, boy, the name is familiar. Um, mm-hmm. But no, I was not uh, with, the, with the material. Nor was I. It was one of the again one of those bands where I was like, I know that name, no idea what they sound I like. I guess I might have assumed they were like a. I might have assumed they were a uh, like swing band or something or like a rockabilly thing. Zydeco. Or, I don't know. You thought they were a, a Louisiana Zydeco band? You mean Zydeco? Zydeco. Is that how you say it? Sorry. Yeah. I had a couple beers wrong with you uh zydeco zydeco whatever and i put the emphasis in the wrong word uh so <laughs> who do gurus let's talk about the history of this band history of the band they they formed in sydney new south wales australia in 1980 at j a new year's eve party it was originally Dave Faulkner 1980? on... 1980? Yes, 1980. Wow. Huh? Dave Faulkner on vocals and guitar, 
Kimball Rendell on guitar, Roddy R Rattlegy on guitar, and James Baker on drums. So they were a three-guitar, no-bass band to start out, and they were called Lei Hoodoo Gurus, or Lee Hoodoo Gurus. Uh, they dropped the L-E after their first single, which was released in October of 1982, and just became The Hoodoo Gurus. Shortly after that, uh, Rendell left the band and was replaced by Clyde Bramley. And then uh, shortly after Rendell left the band, Roddy left the band and was replaced by Brad Shepard. In 1984, March to be specific, they released their first album, Stone Age Romeos. In August of 1984, uh, guitarist James, or sorry, drummer James Baker was fired from the band and replaced by Mark Kingsmill. And that's, uh, that's pretty much forming your key lineup right there. Shepard, Bramley, Baker, and Faulkner. So on their second album, Mars Needs Guitars, was released in May of 1985. Their third album, Blow Your Cool, released in May of 1987. Fourth album, Magnum Come Louder, released June of 1989. Their fifth album, Kinky, released April 1991. Their sixth album, Crank, which we'll be reviewing, released in September of 1994. And their seventh album, uh, Blue Cave, released August 1996. In January of 97, Faulkner announced the band would break up at the end of the year. And they did so. And then they reformed in 2003 to re-record a song called uh, What's My Scene? And they retitled it, That's My Team, for the National Rugby League. So it became the anthem for the rugby league in 2003. They kept the momentum going, and they released their eighth album, Mach Shao, in March of 2004. The band was uh, introduced into the Australian Recording Artists Hall of Fame in uh, 2007. And in March of 2010, they released their ninth album, Purity of Essence. And that is the history. There's a lot of, that's the history of the band, but there's a lot of solo projects and various other bands that people have been in. But this is the primary uh, band for all the members. So if you want to suggest an album for us to review, visit our request to review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. Now, Jay, normally at this point, I would give you some Facebook feedback. I actually forgot to... Uh, Load that up here, so I'm going to do that real quickly. Good Edit. thing. Edit the podcast. Whoopsie daisy. Oh, nobody said anything. Never mind. So there were no, there was no Facebook feedback for Booty uh, Gurus. So that's because uh, Gavin's not on Facebook. He would have said something. So let's get to the album. I want to mention that 2005 they re-released this album with bonus tracks, and Jay was rightly concerned about re re reviewing the 22. Uh, track re-released version. I said, no, Jay, we're just re re uh, reviewing the 13-track original album. <laughs> and I think you should thank me for that right now. No. Uh, let's talk about the album, Jay. Which uh, I thank you immensely yes. for. Yes. Yeah, thank you. Uh, when when You're talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you, Jay. Okay. Talking, who else might be talking to you? You're the only person here. I don't Ever. know. Sounds like you're having a conversation over there with your cat or something. What kind of <laughs> beer are you drinking? I'm having, I got a regular yingling. Jesus. Here's the question, Jay. I'm drinking straight rum over here. Crank. When you listen to the Hoodoo Gurus, did you want to crank it or yank it? 
Uh, when I say yank it. yank it, I mean like out of the CD player off the turntable as if you're using okay, to Okay, as this. I say. Wow. Uh, this band never made me want to yank it. Um, some of the material <laughs> made me want to crank it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> refresh my memory. The, the, the history here is pretty long with this band. Where, where are we at in context here? Where, this is a 2000 what release? This is or, a, I'm sorry, a 1990 what release? 1994. It's their sixth album, one before they break up. And I want to, well, okay. I'll, I'll give you some info about this album once you talk about it, because I, I want to put it in perspective uh, in their overall catalog. But go ahead. What, what did you think about this record? So the songs I want to crank, it starts off good. The first three tr- tracks are in a uh, good place for me. So it kind of sounds like maybe Midnight Oil or um, even R.E.M.-ish mm-hmm. or Tragically Hip-ish, but it's definitely got a little bit more edge than any of those three bands do. It's particularly the first song almost sounds like a, could be like a Smithereens type you know, riff where it's, it's pop, but it's just got a good kind of beefy guitar riff in it. Yep. Fairly straightforward. Um, the vocals got kind of a I don't know how would you describe it. I don't want to say nasally, but kind of sounds like the guy from Tragically Hip at times, where it's like, yeah. How, how do you describe that style of vocal? He's he's definitely singing through his nose a little bit more. Yeah, and and a little bit like Midnight Oil, a little bit vocally. So that's a cool combination for me because you know it's interesting vocally, um, lyrically it's interesting for those first three songs. Musically, it's got some edge, it's got some energy to it, and it kind of is in an area of alternative pop. Um, pretty easy to, to digest and get, but still pretty unique, like not super derivative. Spread out your wings, let's see you fly. We get to, to tracks four through seven. I start to get a little lost here because um, four is kind of nice in terms of you know they they pull things back a little bit and almost kind of has like a Willie Nelson kind of sounding verse. It, it vocally, he almost sounds like Willie Nelson in that verse, mm-hmm. but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, then, but you know, it's fine. It's okay. Then we get to form a circle, and I start to get concerned um i'm not sure what's going on with this song uh lyrically it's kind of silly um musically it's not very interesting it's just kind of uh it's bombastic but it's not really i don't know original or interesting in any way it's pretty pretty much straightforward chords and Mm -hmm. um weird lyrics um then fading slow 
what was that? Is that like a slow song? Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's got like the kind quick, of sl- like picking, and there's some there's some vocals like dual vocals going on, and then it kind of goes yeah. through like a noisy interlude, and then back to the quiet. Yeah, and it's it's okay, but it doesn't really. It's just kind of meandering for me, and it's like four minutes long. So at this point, you know, a lot of the material is under four minutes, you know, well under um, three minutes. You get here, you're up to 420. Then we get to Gospel Train, and all of a sudden we take another left turn into like almost genre music. Like it kind of sounds like sped up gospel music or Johnny Cash or something. Right. And it's self It's sort of referencing the fact that it's a gospel song, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know where. You know, this isn't really doing anything for me. It's kind of goofy. Then they go to Less Than a Feeling, which is probably maybe my favorite song on the record, Total Power Pop. jellyfish song it's funny you, um, you were mentioning the same bands that i wrote next to all the songs really yeah i wrote i wrote uh it's well less than a feeling they're playing off of more than a feeling by boston it has right. that riff basically at the beginning of the song and then the key i said keyboard gives it a jellyfish feel yep yeah that organ in, in the in the verse is awesome it's really it's really uh a good use of that instrument and that sound and mm-hmm. it kind of gives the song a whole unique vibe to it but it's it's kind of out of nowhere. Like I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, the band starts off on this record in a pop area, but not that kind of pop. But more of like a jangly, you know, REM-ish alternative rock kind of pop. And then you get to this, and it's like, wait, wait a minute. This is like Jellyfish, Beatlesque, you know, very, very, uh, you know, almost not alternative in any way. So. But I dig that song. It's one of my favorites on the record. Then they go into Hypocrite Blues, which is basically the Louie Louie riff, I think. Which, Wait, you skipped uh, You Open My Eyes. Just, I'm not. Oh. Uh, it carries the Beatle kind of theme from the song before it. The thing that's weird about that, yeah. it sounds like a different singer. Like the vocal it, sounds different. It is. Through me. I'm like, why is there another guy singing? And he's not better than the other dude. So why are we, why are we doing this? I mean, I like the record features a lot of harmonies, which is nice. Mm-hmm. That song kind of has some in the background in terms of like Beatles kind of harmonies, but the main vocal is a different singer, which I don't get. Hypocrite Blues, like I said, it's based off, it sounds like the Louie Louie guitar riff, which I'm just, no thanks. Um, you know, and the album and Strong. And uh, Judgment Day, I think, is really cool. It sounds like uh, the Jayhawks. Damn it, kind of Jay, you, vibe to it. I wrote the Jayhawks too. <laughs> the hell? Really? Yes, I said slower, nice harmonies, early Jayhawks feel. Yeah, I mean they kind of nail the harmonies too. I mean it feels very much in the melodies and everything spot on. So, and I like that. I mean I think Mm -hmm. they do that 
fairly well. I guess it's just at the end of the day, when I get to the end of the record, I'm like, I guess I don't know what to make of this band. You know, there's there's different, they, they have a couple different flavors that I like. So it's not like one of those bands where, you know, they have three or four sounds on the record and I only really like one. Um, right. I, I, I like, um, you know, several, uh, even the last track kind of has the Rolling Stones vibe. I mean, a legitimate kind of swagger to it. And very cool kind of feel. And, and I like that too, but... There's this whole like middle section of, of I don't know, just very um, derivative kind of. It's almost I don't know, with the right term maybe genre music. Like it sounds like they're trying to play a style of music, but it's not very interesting. So I'm a little I'm a little lost in like what to make of this band, especially if if this is a, a later record. It kind of sounds like it would be something maybe. I kept thinking, like, production-wise and the way that they're moving around. I kept thinking of the first um, Manic Street Preachers record. Like, it has that kind of drum sound. And um, and I'm like, well, maybe this is, like, an early 90s, and this is their first. They're coming out of the, you know, coming out of the 80s pop thing, and you know, this is the, maybe one of their first records, and they're trying to find their sound. And in that context, kind of where this record goes makes sense. But if this is later in a, a long career... I'm even more confused. Well, let me unconfuse uh, you with, with, with some knowledge. So one, first thing is there are two singers. Um, Dave Faulkner sings the majority of it, but Brad Shepard is responsible for writing and singing tracks five and six, Form a Circle and Fading Slow. And he's also responsible for uh, You Open My Eyes, and then he's co-write, he has co-writing uh, credit on Judgment Day. So... That middle section is partially his fault, put it that way. Um, now, this I mentioned that this is a later album in their career. In fact, it's the sixth album. This is the lowest rated album on allmusic.com. It got two out of five stars. Every other album of theirs is much higher rated than this. Huh. And from what I read, this was basically them taking a stab at alternative college rock with some of the songs. And the songs like... You open my eyes and less than a feeling that you have this like jellyfish power pop feel are what this band was really all about. Yeah. Oh, okay. And they sort of like went into a more like traditional rock uh, direction in order to get into the you know college radio because they never they never really broke through in the United States. And this was their attempt to get on the college radio back right. in in 1994. So which makes sense. I mean, you know, this is. This would have fit in nicely, like you said, with sort of like the late 80s R.E.M. I don't think, you know, by 94, you're talking Monster and New Adventures in Hi-Fi. R.E.M.'s gone in a totally different direction. Um, but oh. I don't think this is far off from like some of those Arizona bands that we've talked about, like Gin Blossoms and Sidewinders and, uh, you know, bands of that ilk with sort of like a, it yeah. almost has an Americana feel, which at times early tragically hip does as well this reminded me a lot of their first two albums up to here and road apples where it's they're sort of drawing on uh sort of very straightforward guitar rock and not really uh incorporating a lot of uh, stuff that they would do later on which was much moodier and the vocals drove the songs as opposed to the guitar riffs um this this fits right in with those early hip albums 
like I said, they, you mentioned, you know, all the bands that I mentioned too, like Jellyfish with regards to Judgment Day and the Smithereens. I also heard some In Excess, not necessarily the singles, but some of the more earlier album-oriented stuff. Um, but that just yep. might be because they're Australian as well, and so it was Midnight Oil. So we'd, we'd throw the uh, Australian comparisons in. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm with you. Like, the, fir- the album really starts out really strong and... Uh, when they do those two-part harmonies, they sound great, uh, mm-hmm. and the and the guitars sound crisp without being too overdriven. They have a unique sort of feel to them. Um, but once yeah. you hit that that middle part, and Gospel Train is kind of embarrassing of a song. I just I could not figure out what that was doing on this record. Um, yeah, it just it just kills the middle of the record, and then they come back so so well with. Less than a feeling, and you open my eyes. They're just like, you know, why aren't those songs up front? Because they're so good. Um, right. It's a, it's a difficult album to figure out in terms of, you know, I understand like th- those first couple songs, the right time and crosswires. They sound like it stabs at, you know, alternative college radio. Well, I don't know what they were thinking with like, like you said, with uh, hypocrite blues, which is really an odd uh, sort of. How it's even uh, arranged? It's like a mid-tempo song until about a minute twenty, and then they they kind of reverse the beat and turn it into a punk rock song for the chorus, and then they go back to this mid-tempo beat, and it's really jarring. And I could never quite figure out like what what, what the attempt was, because at least with a former circle, the whole song is sort of up tempo, and they keep that kind of punk beat going. But hypocrite blues is like it just befuddled me. I could not figure out what was going on. Thing, I, I see you has that kind of feel to it as well, but that makes sense because it's under two minutes, so I can sort of understand uh, that a little bit better. But doesn't a form a circle feature the lyric something about like "fuck my soul" or "fuck your soul" or something like that? Yeah, is that something, right? Something like that. I didn't, I didn't delve too deeply into the lyrics, uh, but, but I did. Like, I what? do remember recalling that. It, yeah. It's sort of like a. It's an attempt at punk, but 
Like, they just don't pull it off very well. And it's like, guys, don't, don't, just don't. You do other things well. Let's just stay there. Not go. Let's not go that route. No, not at this stage in the game. I mean, you want to do that when you're like 20. That's cool. But these guys are 15 years into their career, 14 years into their career at this point. You know, they're they're six albums deep. I mean, it just it sounds contrived. It just it doesn't necessarily work. Whereas so much of the album, you know, works so well because it's it's played yeah. with a, a you know, a lot of these songs could in the wrong hands because they're kind of simple in terms of the rhythms. They could get real boring, but they do it just well enough to with the confidence and they're clearly you know have experience with writing uh, with, with songwriting that even you know songs that are based on a simple two chord riff they're able to carry it off because they're able to layer the harmonies on top of it and um, you know nothing gets too fancy but it's competent enough to keep you engaged throughout the whole time so, which right. again reminded me a lot of the hip because the hips rhythm section is not necessarily a highlight, but they always keep it down. That's all you really need out of a band with that features a, you know, a frontman who's rattling off crazy lyrics for five and a half minutes at a time. So, yeah, eventually we'll get to a hip album. Listeners can only focus on so many things at once. So, <laughs> right, exactly. If you're dropping science with with lyrics and vocals, then you need to tone everything else back. Unless you're um, sure to thank, they just do it all. Yeah, at once. That's that's a getting a another Pony Express record would be a would be a minor miracle. That's a that's a once in a decade kind of record. So, yeah, we can't expect that. But I think that this... No. So is this maybe a... Go ahead. I was going to say, I, th- I think that this is in... You know, I don't know the geography of uh, Australia in terms of how it's comparable to the United States, but it seems like there is a very, like, kind of traditional or... I don't want to say roots rock, because I don't know if that's the right thing, but there's, there's definitely, like, an element of Australian rock, which is a little bit more... Um, you know, it's not in that pop end of like NXS or uh, some of the synth pop bands from the 80s, which this band, you know, would have been playing alongside of. Uh, taking yeah. like a band like Ice House or something like that. But, you know, even like UMI, once you got past like that first record, there's elements of that UMI record that are mm. kind of roots rockish from what I remember that we did. Was it the beginning of season two? Yeah. Um, there's like a folk under, under yeah. <clears throat> a theme of kind of folk music underneath it. And you don't get that same, you don't get that when you out of like UK bands. There's something very unique to Australian right. bands that have that element to them. That's so true, yeah. It's a, it's something that we'll keep expanding upon as we, as we move along in these shows because it's an interesting element that keeps popping up uh, in random albums that we've never listened to before. So, so do you think this is a band that it's best to maybe go to, to like a greatest hits or some sort of compilation record if you're going to get into them? I would think so because they definitely had a lot of singles that were big in the in the Australia before this, based on their '80s albums. So I'd be interested to hear those records. 
because they say a lot of, you know, it's a lot more power pop, and they also said they were obsessed with American pop culture. Um, you know, that Mars needs guitars is a uh, is a rip of a, a a B movie from like the 50s, and they that you know Mars has always been a, a sort of a Hollywood go-to, whether it's Mars needs moms or Mars attacks or whatever. Um, that's been an element of numerous uh, B movies from Hollywood. So um, there's a weird like uh, if you look through their album titles. Like they almost have like a Kingdom Come sort of uh, element to them. Like their fourth album is called Magnum Come Louder. I don't good, good Lord. Yeah, it's almost as bad as Kingdom's Kingdom Come's album In Your Face, which uh, <laughs> is up there with one of the worst entendres. Oh uh, come on! I uh, you know what? I what? didn't even get that when I was a kid. When I got that record, I didn't even understand what they were, what that even was referring to. Really, you didn't? Yeah. Okay. It took a pervert, pervert like you to just point it out to me. When you sit here and you have to analyze, you know, songs and albums for a book for two years, you start to pick up on yeah. these things. And uh, it's a good time to mention for, that for the album, it just has a speaker on it. That's it in your face yeah mm-hmm anyway jay so let's let's wrap this uh let's wrap this one up for gavin and let's talk rating for this record are you at a worthy album a better ep or a decent single i want i was gonna coming into this i was gonna say album but uh when i count up the tracks i'm only at seven tracks that i starred so i think i gotta go and, and after our conversation i think i gotta go ep and stay with those seven that i starred yeah, I'm with you. I'm at six tracks, and I'm at an EP. I, I'd like to listen to this. I'm uh, you know gonna do some driving soon. Got to drive to uh, the family in uh, New York to visit for the Fourth of July weekend, and I'm gonna throw this in, even though we've already listened to it. I want to hear it in the car. Haven't had a chance to listen to it in the car yet, but I think this would be a good road record. It's got that tempo to it. That it's, it's a steady mid-tempo beat throughout most of the record, and I think that's good driving music. So it might uh, it might present itself in a different light at that time, but mm-hmm. at this point, I'm at a six song EP for the Hoodoo Gurus. Frank, that's it. If you want to suggest an album, head on over to our request review page at digmeoutpodcast.com. And uh, Jay, isn't there a um, there's like some sort of sign up thing there now. Is that working? What? Like, a, like an email list? You mean for an email? Yeah. No. Oh. I haven't done that yet. All right, never mind. <laughs> Erase. But but just visit the site and check out new releases in this day in the nineties and and video flashback cool Wednesday. Stuff that we post yeah. every day. Yeah, new stuff every day at digmeoutpodcast.com. And uh, make sure to hit up uh, our Facebook pages and our Facebook page and our Twitter feed. And uh, also leave us some uh, positive feedback over at iTunes so we can crush NPR. No, it's not going to happen. 
They're like the uh, they're the juggernaut that nobody can catch up to. Nothing we can do about that. Anyway, you we want to thank the, the on the music podcast you're talking about. All of them. It's all NPR. You know what's really annoying is that the music podcasts are dominated by electronic music. There's barely, like, within the top 20, top 30, top 50, there's barely any non-dance or electronic-oriented music podcast. That's pathetic. Crap. Give us a review. Help help us out. Come on now, folks. I want to thank Gavin Reed for bringing this to the table. He will be back very soon with his freebie, his buy three, get the fourth one free. Jay, do you know what his fourth pick is going to be? Um, I don't. You know, we've reviewed one soundtrack this year. We did the single soundtrack. We talked about how, for many of those bands, it was a highlight of their career. We're going to go in the opposite direction. We're going to review a soundtrack. But for many of these bands, it might be not the highlight of their career. We're going to review the Judgment Night soundtrack with Gavin which featured bands, rock bands, and hip-hop bands combining uh, um, one song together. Do you remember this soundtrack, Jay? Uh, Judgment Night? Yeah. Do you remember Judgment the Day, or what is it called? It's called Judgment Night. Mm, God, Jay. Barely. barely. So this features, this features uh, Helmet and House of Pain doing Just Another Victim, or uh, Dinosaur Jr. and Del the Funky Homo Sapien doing Missing Link, or Pearl Jam and Cypress Hill doing Real Thing. Slayer and Ice-T doing uh, Disorder. Biohazard and Onyx. Jay, it's going to be awesome. So he's going he's gonna to be on for that episode? He's going to come on. He's going to talk yeah. about why Judgment Night is such a good soundtrack. Thank God. Somebody else can help fill that. <laughs> fill that 45 minutes. We can I'm also, sure. also talk about the, uh, the, uh, the missing... Never okay. Well, it's going to be a. It features Therapy, Sonic Youth, Faith No More. I mean, this is a teenage fan club. This is a pretty heavy hitter. But they're all paired with hip hop bands, so. Oh Christ! Yep, it's basically uh, Bring the Noise featuring Public Enemy and Anthrax eleven times in a row. <laughs> Fantastic! Is he gonna, every song going to have a siren in it or whatever it is that they do? Oh, you mean that like effect. that like that drop that do 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 do? Yeah, yeah. There's always something. Like That's that. the bomb squad, dude. Don't mess with the bomb squad. They just got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. <laughs> Before Deep Purple. Yep. <laughs> right. Okay. Anyway. Anyway, let's go before uh, before a Judgment Night uh, is brought upon us, and uh, we're gonna say thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week with another episode. Of dig me out. Join the conversation about this episode at digmeoutpodcast.com, where you can find links to our Facebook page and Twitter feed, as well as links to our request a review and merchandise pages. It can't be me.